Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. B-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered. Co-host Connor Miles here with my co-host, as always, Ed Kraz. We're all here of Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated interviewing NBC Sports Edge, college football lead analyst, my good friend, Thor Nystrom. Thor, thank you for coming on the show, my friend. You know, out of all the draft analysts, you give a very thorough analyst of the Eagles draft class, and you ranked them seventh in the entire NFL of your rankings. We got to dive into that. Why did you think the Eagles had such a great draft? I mean, you know, they have a first-year coaching staff. This is the draft that they really needed to capitalize on to bring in this new regime. Why were you so high on this class? Well, I, I thought that they got good value in all of their slots, you know, and they obviously read the draft board uh, really well. Um, their division rivals wish they hadn't, but they did. Um, so you had that. Uh, and even before the draft started, they they picked up a, a future round one pick. Um, those are always big. Uh, it looks like they're going to have three in the next draft class, which everyone is saying is is stronger. And obviously you're going to have more information than than in this one. Um, I think the future is is pretty strong there, but just in response to your question, it's it's getting strong value in every single one of your slots, and I thought the Eagles did that not only through throughout the draft. Um, I thought they did that, you know, going into the UDFA process as well. I thought they had another strong UDFA process. Well, let, let me ask you: was there was there one player that you thought was the best value of any of the rounds? You know, you mentioned value at every round, but is there one player that in particular that uh, you thought was the best value that they were able to get? I like the I like the value on uh, Milton Williams. Uh, not all the scouting department may have agreed with me on that, um, but I, I I like the the value there. I like the value on uh, Gainwell. Even though I was a little bit lower on Gainwell than than some people in my industry, where where the Eagles ended up getting him, that's just an absolute slam dunk of a pick. Um, so th- those ones in particular, even in the first round, you, you start off with uh, Devonta down where they got him. Um, I had him above Waddle. I, I know a lot of people did. I would guess if you looked around the NFL that probably 50% of the teams or so, I, I would guess that there would have been a 50-50 split between, between teams that had uh, Smith above Waddle and then Waddle above Smith. I'm guessing that was more of just a taste thing of, of you know what that specific team needed. Obviously, with, with Miami, they had those uh, slow jump ballers, and they needed to sort of remake their – uh, wide receiving core into his image. They needed those zippy uh, intermediate guys, you know, to go really, you know, quick. That that's to his game. Hitting guys on the hands when they're zipping across the intermediate area. That's Waddle. Um, the Eagles they needed Smith. It, it was perfect for them. Um, in particular, because if you if you you know if it if if it had gone the other way for them, you're essentially just erasing your first round pick from last year in Ragor. 
Um, another beautiful thing about this pick, I, I, you know, I thought, you know, not only is it, it was a, a great value in the slot um, that they got him in, but, you know, uh, being able now to put, speaking of slot, being able to now put Regor back in the slot full time um, and not taking a player of a superfluous skill set to him. Um, I, I think that that's going to um, I, I think you're going to see his his skill set play up now. It, it's it's giving him a second shot at life. I, I don't say that he's a bust at all. The 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 jury is not in on Jalen Ragor uh, whatsoever. And I, I think now that he's in a better situation, um, I, I think that like again, I, I think you're going to see Jalen Ragor's game uh, shoot up as well. He he was sort of playing out of. Um, he, he was playing above his import, um, and, and I think there was too much expectations on him in, in, in season one anyway. But he needs to be in a in sort of a situationally dependent uh, role, and you know, in circumstance, and 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 what the the situation they're moving him into is is that role going forward. I was all aboard of the Lee McNeil train. I'm kind of was with Tom Donahue on that point when you know the Eagles passed an opportunity they added the extra six, but they did pick up Milton Williams, and you're very high on him, obviously, as you had him ranked number three in the interior defensive line class. Give us some insight on Milton Williams that we're missing. I know the versatility is what's huge here, and that's what's going to be big for Jonathan Gannon's type defense. I mean, I know being Minnesotan yourself, you're familiar with Jonathan Gannon coming from that, that's Mike Zimmer type style system. What can he do to capitalize on Milton Williams in his defense? What, let me ask you guys first: Was is the Eagles fan base were they with the scout or were they with Roseman on? That? Oh, they were with the scout. There are everybody really? against Roseman. Everybody, every time Howie does something that it's the opposite of what. Uh, somebody else does. They hate Howie. They blame Howie immediately for it. Yeah, everybody yeah. was with Tom Donahue on that one. That, that, that has nothing to do with a player. It has nothing to do with right, oh, we wanted I'm, a Lee McNeil instead of Milton Williams. They just don't want to side with Howie, you know. So they went with Tom it. Donahue. You know, most Eagles fans probably have no idea what Milton Williams can do, uh, or even a Lee McNeil for that matter. Matter, but because Tom Donahue disagreed with Howie, and all the fans disagree with whatever Howie does, they're in the Donahue camp. Yeah. So, um, you know, you guys know, I, I like Williams more. Um, I, I do like McNeil. So, you know, I, I could see how that's close and I could see how there could be a, a disagreement there. But for me, the way that we saw uh, Williams come on here, especially last season, um, for me is what pushed him over the top. I, I love the potential there. Um, and it's, it's, it's the power and, and sort of like the twitchy uh, power um, you know, just sort of that like Herculean, just blah, 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 um, sort of a thing there in, in short quarters. It, it's hard to get your hands on that kid. Um, and it's hard to get him stop and move in when he gets where he wants to go. Um, and, and, and so it's, it's those sorts of things. And then the quickness. Um, he, he's just a really hard player to, um, solve. He, like, you know, as, as sort of a puzzle, um, so, sort of a thing, especially for interior guys in Conference USA. He, he became unstoppable, um, you know, started Starting last year, but but that the combination of 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 the quick uh, of of the quickness and then and then the the power um, and the twitchiness um, on the inside and then starting to unlock it last year with, with just more awareness of, of what he was doing, um, you know, starting to understand a strategy. Um, I, I think you started to you know see him unlock his potential, and and so for me it was it was about you know looking forward, extrapolating that. Uh, going forward and that's that's why i'm excited about milton williams yeah just you know speaking of close evaluations with milton williams and mcneil um what what was it for you that separated uh devonte smith over jalen waddle because a lot of people had 
very close evaluations of those two. But what pushed it over the edge for you with Smith over Waddle? I just don't have any uh, questions about Smith uh, whatsoever. The the only thing that I saw that that like even came close to slowing him down whatsoever in college, it's it's length and strength um, of, of press guys, which he didn't see a, a, a ton in college. But it's, it's the only thing that you can even say that that could theoretically slow him down whatsoever in the NFL, but he's so smooth uh, coming off the line with his footwork um, that it's, it, it's hard to even see him consistently being stopped at the line. And then after that, it's, it, it's really hard to stay with him because of how smooth he is in routes. And then it, his ball skills are are ridiculous. People talk a lot about his frame and his, in his lack of strength and his lack of ball and, you know, and stuff like that and sort of nitpick him as, you know, as far as the frame makes fun of stuff like that. But I think his, his frame is actually an advantage in a lot of different ways that people don't talk about. Um, specifically like uh, you see his like pictures, like where, um, you know, like he's standing on the sidelines, you see his like arms and his like wrists are like, you know, hanging down to the turf, you know, they're going past his kneecaps or whatever. He's got, the the wingspan of like a, a receiver who's not six one. He's got a wingspan of a guy who's like six four, six five. And this manifests on the field all the time because he catches literally every single every single ball that you get within his catch radius and, and downfield as well. You know, it's intermediate, but it's also uh, downfield. And so he's just so silky smooth. And, you know, it's w- w- whenever he catches the ball, it's, it's the transition from, you know, you know, route running and the, the, the receiver into, into, to, to the runner, just like bang. Um, we talked about that a lot with CD Lamb uh, last year, where he'd just catch the ball and then it'd just seamlessly be turning up field. And it was like, he already, you know, it was like, uh, you know, you're playing video games. You already have a sense of where all the defenders are upfield. He'd just be sort of slicing, you know, just slicing up field. And you just have this idea, you know, like a like Vin Diesel, you know, and like Fast and the Furious. He's just, you know, going through different lanes. And, you know, even though he, he might not be as fast as, you know, the, the fastest guy on the field, he's just seamlessly moving towards the goal line. It's it's it. it it's a lot of stuff like that where he's transcending, um, you know, his, 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 you just look at his like, you know, timing numbers and, and, and stuff like that. But the, the, the hands, the toughness, the route running, everything like that, you guys have heard about it, but you know, we just don't see stuff like that in, in, in college football. So you, like w- with him, you're talking about a player between, for me, it's Keenan McCardell and then Marvin Harrison. Whereas with, Waddle's a really good player. Um, but for me, the the utility there, I don't see a, a Tyreek Hill. Um, I, I, I just don't. Like, Tyreek Hill is a super-duper um, unique guy. You know, it's like a one guy in NFL history uh, type. Waddle's a tough kid, too, um, and he's super fast and everything like that. He, You know, a special teams player as well. Um, you know, and he's going to do the intermediate stuff as well. But again, like Jalen Ragor is going to do some of that stuff. I, I just see Waddle as a, as a more well-rounded, um, higher-octane version of Ragor. It's, it's funny you mention his arms because, you know, we've seen Rager twice in these OTAs and we're going to see him again, not Rager, uh, Smith. Uh, and we're going to see him again this week. And the first, you know, I have tunnel vision with the legs. I'm not even looking at the arms and, you know, hanging down to his kneecaps and stuff, but I'm going to, I'm going to pay attention to that this week because the first thing you see is those legs and they're like, you know, they're really very toothpickish. Yep. Um, you know, but that, that's kind of what you get. That's what the DBs notice too. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he, he sneaks up on you real fast. Yeah. Real fast. Absolutely. So we got to talk about Landon Dickerson. I mean, the Eagles are so used to having Jason Kelsey anchor the offensive line for years. It looks like they got their heir apparent in Landon Dickerson. What are your thoughts on him? I, know I, I love the Frank Ragnow comparison. I think if he can get to at least that caliber of player, the Eagles got a steal here in the second round of 37. Uh, what are your thoughts on Landon Dickerson, my friend? 
it, it was like looking in a mirror, you know, like going back to Regna. Regna was a kid from around my area. I'm coming to you guys from Minneapolis. Regna was a Minnesota kid, and then he went to Arkansas to play for Bielema. Dickerson is very similar. It's it's a very big interior guy in the SEC um, who was just juiced up with power. Um, and, and, you know, with, with Dickerson, he just, you watch his tape, it was pancake after pancake after pancake. And if a guy didn't see him coming, he'd wipe him out. Like it was nothing, you know? And then he'd go, the, the other thing about Dickerson I really like is he'll wipe a guy out and then he's going looking for work. He doesn't futz around. He'll knock a guy over and now he's, he's going looking for someone else. He'll look the other side of the field. He's always working, always working. Um, and then awareness too, you know, he's the guy making the line calls, everything like that. Um, like it's, it's, it's a subtle thing, but like, um, a reason that I didn't like uh, the Josh Myers kid, the, the kid that, um, the Packers took was when I watch his film, um, people talk a lot about the, the, the sacks that Justin Fields took. Well, uh, interior pressure is really hard to deal with, you know, especially in college and especially when it comes like bang quick. And a lot of the times when it happens, it's because of a miscommunication. Well, you'll notice in Ohio state film that there's a lot of sieves up the middle there. And there shouldn't be because you had Wyatt Davis and you had Josh Myers and uh, the kid on the other side is really good too. Um, well, a, a lot of the times it was Myers missing something. He, he was missing a tell of a linebacker that was going to blitz or something like that or a stunt, whatever. Dickerson don't miss that stuff. He never misses it. Um, and if he got a shot to wipe out a linebacker, he's licking his chops. Um, he sees the guy coming. You're going to wipe him out. Uh, the only thing that concerns you about him is it's the injuries. I believe he had four season ending injuries in five years of college. You know, the first three of them were at Florida State. The last two we're at Alabama, um, but the kid's a warrior. Uh, he's not going to ask off of the field. In fact, the opposite. Um, technically, it was three season-ending injuries because uh, last season it should have been a season-ending injury, but uh, he suited up for the national title game when you know when he was out for the season, and then he begged to get on, uh, you know, for the last snap so he could he could make the final snap when Alabama was was kneeling the you know the clock out. So I I, I love the kid. You know, as, as far as his attitude, he's a warrior. As long as his body holds up, he's going to start for a long time and not only you know the center stuff he can start at guard for sure I mean he started at guard you know at, at Alabama initially he could also be a break glass in you know in case of emergency type tackle I wouldn't want him there you know just if I had my druthers um, because you know at this point the the depreciating athleticism and stuff like that you know with the injuries have taken their toll um, but he that's where he started at Florida State way back in the day and he's got the length for it and the in the body for it for sure so you you know you potentially have even that versatility if something really really bad happened with your depth with injuries and stuff like that so uh, again as, as long as his body holds up that's a really really good value in the slot they got him I like how you mentioned guard because I think if he's healthy and he's cleared from his ACL surgery from whenever it was in December, I think there's a legitimate chance he could threaten to start at the left guard spot ahead of Isaac Siamalu. Um, but Thor, I want to ask you, you had two other interior offensive linemen ranked ahead of Dickerson. Who were they? Um, I had, well, it was uh, off the top of my head, it was Creed Humphrey and um, um, the kid that, uh, Oh, the kid that went in the first round, uh, Vera Tucker. Vera Tucker. Humphrey's interesting because I I liked Humphrey a lot too. And, you know, he's got a healthier resume. You know, he he hasn't been hurt. He comes from Oklahoma. Um, It's interesting the Eagles went with Dickerson over over Humphrey because I really thought, and I think Connor thought too, that the Eagles would take Humphrey uh, maybe in the second round. Humphrey Um, fell. You know, he's in fall. Some kids fall, and I'm not sure why. You know, in, mm-hmm. in this class, it was a lot of the kids were opt-outs. Humphrey, I sort of scratched my head at because, yeah, yeah. It, 
the the decision that I really scratched my head at was when the Packers took Myers over him. I I didn't understand that one at all. But yeah, I mean, for me, if, if if even if Humphrey had gone late first round, I wouldn't have been surprised at all. The fact he was available late in the second round, I I was pretty shocked by that. Yeah, and Andy Reid taking him, you know, further states that he's going to be a great player in this league, also. But sure. I mean, Landon Dickerson just reminds me of I, I, Ryan Kelly. You know, Alabama's center before the Indianapolis Colts first round pick after I think if Nick Sirianni's influence is anything on this team, he wants a big growing center like he had with Ryan Kelly. And maybe that was what influenced the Landon Dickerson pick a little bit more. But we'll see. The one guy I really wanted to ask you about because I'm so on and off with him. And I know you were too in your rankings. Zach McPherson, I mean, his 2019 tape you love. I absolutely loved it. You know, really, really dominant in 2019. It comes back into 2020 and kind of falls off a little bit. What do you see with him? And do you think there's a role for him in this league as a starter, at least, even if it's going to be in the slot? Is there at least a role for him? Yeah. So I, I, I ended up talking with my uh, colleague, Derek Klassen, a lot about uh, Zach McPherson. We were a little bit lower on him um, just because we think he's going to fall uh, beneath threshold in terms of his play style in conjunction with his size. Um, it, it seems like it's, you know, he, he's a, he's a physical sort of scrappy player. Um, but it seemed like, uh, the, the reason that he plays that way, um, is to make up for a lack of technique. And I think that's going to come back to bite him in the NFL. We'll, we'll see, but that's the reason that I was uh, pessimistic about him. He, he, he did test very well. Um, he's seasoned at the power five level over a couple, a couple of different programs. Uh, he's a smart kid. Um, so, I mean, he, he could certainly uh, prove us wrong. That's, that's what we were seeing with him when, when we looked into him. Um, but you know, and, and that was one of the few disagreements I would say that the Eagles and I had on, on a player that they picked. Yeah, I could see that for sure. And if you guys haven't checked it out yet, uh, Thor wrote these rankings for NBC sports go check them out. He has Eagles right number seventh, great analyst right here. Exactly everything. The thing I love the most, I mean, I can't believe Jamie Newman didn't get drafted. Yeah. I can't believe guys like Ian Book went over Jamie Newman. I mean, you had him at quarterback seven. I think, you know, I Joe Flacco was here for the veteran presence, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jamie Newman turns my head into the preseason where the Eagles start thinking, you know, maybe this guy's a potential quarterback too for this team. Yeah. You know, like the – we, we, we didn't hear anything about him in the pre-draft process. So once it happened, you know, I was like, yeah, you know, I, like, I, I guess I wasn't terribly surprised in the moment, but it's still like the, you sort of look at the NFL and you're like, what are you doing? Cause it's, it's what you mentioned, you know, uh, burning these picks on like, you know, it's like Ian book or Sam Ellinger or, um, you know, long snappers or anything like this. J- Jamie Newman is a kid like, you know, we, we had, you know, what a, a season and a half of exposure on him. It was predominantly 2000. 19 but in 2019 he finished number two to trevor lawrence in in pff big time throws he was legitimately probably the second best you know deep ball thrower in the entire ncaa um and he's also a legitimate big dual threat kid you know he reminded me of david garrard from the first second i saw him at at wake forest that's just sort of the game he can he can get out of the pocket and hurt you a little bit there um and he's got the arm to hurt you downfield and his placement down downfield is really really good it's not like a Felipe Franks thing where it's like, you know, it's like uh, like the giant from Game of Thrones where he just like at the wall, he's just trying to throw rocks through it or like uh, 
you know, Tyreek who Tyreek Jackson or the the kid from Buffalo a couple years ago. It, hey, it's Tyreek like, Jackson is on the Eagles now. He's their third string tight end. Oh, <laughs> I guess I can't make fun of him. Um, but uh, with, with Newman, he has really good placement. You know, like uh, if if you look at Sage Sherratt's film, you see a lot of drop in the bucket throws downfield. That's all coming from Jamie Newman. Uh, I, again, I, I really like his throw thrown in tight windows. He, there was a lot of tight window throws he, in, in the intermediate sector too. Um, Wake Forest had, had a wonky offense for sure. It was, it was super duper up tempo. You know, it's like run, run, and then they, they throw deep and stuff like that. Um, but I will say, you know, it, it was wonky. Yes, but it's not wonky. Like, um, some, so a, a lot of these guys, a lot of these quarterbacks, they, they get a lot of their stats from like screen passes and stuff. A lot of the receivers do too. That Wake Forest offense, he didn't have any of his, his, his stats from screen passes. It, it wasn't any manufactured stats, you know, like the throws and the, and the yardage he got, he earned them. Sage Sherrod, by the way, wasn't drafted. Uh, he he wasn't Jamie Newman that season was not playing around NFL players. Um, and so, like, you know, just as far as a ball of clay, I'm not sure what else the NFL wants. It, it you know, they they made uh, a referendum on him because they didn't see him last year. And it's like, oh, he didn't prove enough and we don't have enough intel on him. And it's like, OK, we have enough intel on Ian Buck and he's proven to us that he's not an NFL starting caliber talent. You're going to use a fourth round pick on him. I, I don't care if you have more to tell on him. Like it's ridiculous. It, you know, it's like, um, I I throw all my hands with that. But but Jamie Newman has a higher ceiling than a lot of those guys uh, that got picked. I I think I ended up uh, ranking him QB six. And again, it's just because in comparison to a lot of quarterbacks in this class, just by definition, his ceiling is higher. The frame, the athleticism, uh, the arm talent we've seen, the ability to win downfield. The other quarterbacks uh, that I was comparing them to in this class, they do not have the same body of work, even over three and a half years of starting. Cough, cough, Ian Book and Sam Ellinger. <clears throat> well, the Eagles like them. I mean, they only have three quarterbacks on their roster. Um, you know, a lot of teams have four, and maybe they'll add one at some point in the summer, but you know, Jamie Newman's QB number three right now. And like Connor said, who knows? Maybe he can elevate above Joe Flacco. I would be very surprised at that. But, you know, he's a guy that is going to be on this Eagles team next year. Jamie Newman is. And uh, we'll see how he does. I'll just say if, you know, you just think of a world where COVID never happened. You know, mm-hmm. just just picture in your head. COVID, it just never was a thing. You know, the NBA didn't get canceled. You never heard the Tom Hanks and Rita. They weren't, not, you know, they, there wasn't COVID, you know, whatever. Jamie Newman transfers to Georgia as a grad transfer, and he is Georgia's starting quarterback in a season where it's a full season. You know, the whole th- thing is played out in 2020. Jamie Newman would have been a day two pick, one yeah. million percent. And by the way, he may have even been a late round one pick. Uh, Georgia was the absolute perfect uh, school for him. He he made like it was such an inspired uh, transfer decision um, for a guy that the the questions about Jamie Newman uh, were going to be. He played in this wonky offense, but again, his, his strengths were you know, throwing it deep, his arm, and then it was the 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 big dual threat uh, kind of a thing on the side. Well, with, with Georgia, they have one of the best downfield receivers in the nation in George Pickens, and then they had one of the nation's best running games at offensive lines, and then they had good secondary receivers as well. They had Trey McKitty, who got taken in what, round three? You know, mm-hmm. as a tight end. Uh, you talk about a perfect situation for Jamie Newman. It would have played up everything that he did, plus he would have been in, you know, the, the Georgia system or whatever, the, the the scouts couldn't have said, oh, he it was just, you know, he did that, but it was in a, a wonky scheme or whatever. There's no chance he does not go on day two. 
So, you know, just by definition, the Eagles have made a steal here because the only reason that he wasn't picked, you know, at least in round three, it has nothing to do with play. It's just because of circumstance. Now, did not playing in 2020, did that, you know, depreciate Jamie Newman? Did it, did it, uh, you know, increase his, his bust rate? That we don't know. We don't have enough data on that, right? Like, be, because you look back at the players, like, in, in the recent past who missed a season and, and then came, like, you think about it, like, you know, it was like Maurice Claret and, and like Mike Williams. Like, those were like more like character guys. Like, we, we don't really have uh, instances in the past of like where guys missed a season, but it wasn't because of a character thing and it wasn't because of injury, right? Like, Gil Brandt was talking about like the, the last thing he could remember like this was was during the war and then people came back having missed a year of the war and he was like we'd always mark them down on our board because it was really hard to get your your work you know your work habits back and it was like gil they might have been suffering for ptsd as well that might have made it hard to get their football <laughs> work habits back as well when they ingratiated themselves back into american society um but you know Either way, that that part of it we don't know with Jamie Newman. Like, does he come back the same? Does he, you know that part we don't know? But the other part to me is just a fact. And, and so the the fact the Eagles got him without spending any draft capital at all that's a slam dunk. Kmart announces the Freedom Store is closing forever. Millions of dollars in inventory must be sold. Store wide discounts up to seventy five percent off. Every department is on sale. All fine jewelry, fashion apparel, footwear, toys, health and beauty aids, and cosmetics are now on sale in store. Everything must go. Nothing held back. Selling to the bare walls. Even store fixtures are all for sale. Shop now for best selection only at the Kmart store in Freedom at 1702 Freedom Boulevard. It is business as usual at all other Kmart stores. I think, I think another undrafted free agent Eagles fans were fired up about is the receiver from Florida, Trayvon Grimes. I mean, were you a little surprised that he didn't get picked? And you know, he said he had nine touchdown catches last year. Brian Johnson, the Eagles QB coach, was the OC in, in Florida. Um, what, what are your thoughts on Grimes? Should he have been drafted? And where do you think he fits uh, with this Eagles team? I was a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a, a five-star kid. You know, initially he went to Ohio State and, you know, a perfect frame, you know, a, a long kid on the outside. And he's got some ball skills. He can get downfield. He's a red zone threat, obviously. You talk about the touchdowns he had last season. He's he's raw. And and the other thing is in that that Florida system, you know, last season it was um, you know, get the ball to Kyle Pitts as much as you you can. And then it was manufacture all these touches for Kadarius Tony. And then, you know, it was like the the one-on-one freebies we got, we would toss them up uh, you know, on on the other side. And so uh he didn't get as many opportunities as you would like the the you know to stretch his wings but also just to develop and that's that's what that prospect needed um but you know just again j- just as far as a, a high upside dart throw in UDFA Trevon Grimes is exactly what you're looking for um you know it's it's not Trevon Grimes's fault that he happened to find himself you know next to what of the freaky uh, probably the freakiest receiving tight end in in college football history and one of the better manufactured touch uh, receive you know chicken in the coop type receivers uh, that we've seen in the past decade in, in 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 college football and so his utility on that Florida offense especially with a I'm sorry but a, a fairly limited quarterback in in Kyle Trask it was you know sort of this 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 go downfield and if you're one on one we're going to toss it up to you right and so 
it was what it was. But, um, you know, a guy like that, he has specifically utility early in the NFL. And it's let's see if we can teach him the rest of it. Um, for me, yes, he was a draftable player. Absolutely. Thora, I want to circle back to the draft class real quick and just to end it off with these these two couple picks that the Eagles ended the draft with that you were super high on. And I mean, uh, Patrick Johnson to add the draft to their seventh, their last seventh round pick, uh, you had him at edge 20. I mean, it looks like the Eagles defense, Jonathan Gannon, I mean, to me, this reminds me of the Minnesota days of him getting the Mike Zimmer influence. They want a stand-up edge rusher. They want a guy that can stand up and rush the passer and use him as a jack-of-all-trades type guy. They drafted Patrick Johnson. They're trying to convert Gennard Avery to that position. They also brought in Ryan Kerrigan now. What did you see in Patrick Johnson? And I know you compared him to Derek Barnett, and I don't know if Eagles fans are going to be too crazy about that because we're not. We're all questionable of Derek Barnett right now. But, I mean, it looks like Patrick Johnson fits the tip, prototypical mold that Jonathan Ginnon wants in a stand-up linebacker. Yeah, that was uh... – that was why I was laughing there because it was, um, you know, and I, I sort of laugh when they, they made that pick too. I, I don't see that as a, as a, as an insult at all. Um, you know, it's, it's a kid with length that comes all the time. You know, it's, he, it's, it's compete, 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 compete. Um, you know, you're going to see counter moves from him. You're going to, you're never going to see the, the, the motor come off. Um, he's always going to be trying to take the edge and, and if he can't get it and it's going to be spinning back inside, hand fighting, et cetera, et cetera. Um, again, it's, it's attack, attack, attack with that kid. Um, I, I, that's what I like about him. Um, it's, it's, it's relentless effort, um, coming after the quarterback. And that's, that's a lot of the same stuff that, that I saw with Barnett. And, and again, I, I don't see it as a, I, I didn't see that as a derisive comp. I'm sorry if, if Philly fans do, but I, I, I didn't. And the other thing that I saw that was similar was, was the production that they, they put up in, in, in their career and just sort of doggedly coming after, um, you know, people with, you know, and, and then the length and then some of those tools, you know, as far as the counter moves, you're, you're going to get production. Well, I think the big difference is Barnett was a first round pick, the 14th player taken overall. And, you know, along comes Johnson taken in the seventh round, the 230 something pick. Uh, of the draft. I mean, that's, that's a big difference. If he turns out to be Barnett and they get him in the seventh round then you know, what a steal that would be. Mm-hmm. Totally. And then let me just ask you about the D tackle they took other than Milton Williams. They took Marlon Tui Tuapolu um, from USC. Uh, you had him ranked in the top 10, I think in your defensive tackle rankings and the Eagles pluck him and another great value pick. You talked about it at the start this show. Um, but what do you like about Marlon? Yeah, he he sort of got uh, overlooked for that uh, Jay Tufel guy, you know, sort of like his his entire career. And a lot of the Pac-12 guys, I, I just sort of noticed this. So he had, you know, it was multiple things working against him. It was the first thing I said. And then the Pac-12 guys in general, it seemed like they got overlooked. Like if you just sort of look in the draft class in general, it seemed like they, they sort of got filtered down a little bit more than any other major conference. And then for whatever reason, it seemed like the interior class, um, they got filtered down, you know, like uh, Marvin Wilson's probably the, the biggest example of this because he got pushed out of the draft, uh, you know, entirely. But like the top one, Barmore, everyone had him going in round one of their mocks. You know, he falls to the second and it was like everyone got pushed, you know, in kind, you know, s- s- sort of down the board. Whereas, you know, with with for me, uh, Milton Williams is like a round two kind of a guy. Uh, Marlon, I'm, I'm not sure where I had him, but it was, it was well above seventh, maybe, maybe in the fourth or fifth, uh, maybe, I think fourth. fourth um, yeah, but, but, but for me, it's, it, it's the power. Um, I, I, I love the power that, that he plays with. He's, he's one of the more powerful, uh, nose tackles in this class. Um, and so like when, when you're looking for, especially like at that point, I, I don't know if there was another player, um, of his ilk, um, as far as a guy that you're just not moving. 
Um, and then, you know, a, a guy that, um, you know, the, the NFL, it, it wasn't just that sort of circumstantially things went against him. It was that uh, they had a little bit less exposure to him, I think, than than some of the other guys that got picked above him. Um, and so, but, you know, what, what his special sauce is, we've seen him do that on tape and it's not something that that's going to depreciate, um, that, that power, it's not something that's going to get taken away from him. And it's something that's going to play at the next level. You know, it's like a, a you know, if, like if you're drafting in baseball, it's like with a college slugger, it, it's not something that's, um, you know, ephemeral. It's, it, it's, it's not like a, um, you know, when you're driving in the road, what, what do you call it? It's not a mirage. It, it it will play, and and so that that's a kid that I can absolutely see um, making their um, th- their roster. You're not going to get a ton of pass rush from him, is the only thing. But um, you know, as as far as defending the run, as far as a guy that that you're not going to move, um, I, I like that pick a lot. You know, Jacoby Stevens kind of fits the prototypical hybrid safety linebacker role that you know is a predominant feature in all NFL defenses in this era of football. I'm not sure what type of role he has with the Eagles this year. Year one, I would assume special teams. Uh, really, I think this competition for a role on this team is with Kayvon Wallace, last year's fourth-round pick out of Clemson. Uh, what did you see in Jacoby Stevens? I know you haven't ranked as your, think your 18th-ranked safety. What did you think about him? Yeah, he's uh, he he was a hard player for me to get my uh, – my 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 head around and i i think maybe the same thing uh for lsu coaches as well but he has he has some hybrid um uh you know type uh 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 skills and so you know like as far as a guy maybe you put in the um you know in you know in, in the um the, the the nickel defender role or um you know maybe you have him as a deep safety i i don't for me i i think he's probably a a backup and and a special teamer is is sort of where i settled on him um, so, so that was probably one of the picks that I was lower on that the Eagles did. Yeah. Well, listen, we've talked about every player in the, in the Eagles have drafted, except for Taron Jackson from coastal Carolina, Teron Jackson, um, small school, you know, not a lot of exposure, but w- w- what do you think of Jackson's skill set? Yeah, he was a kid that, uh, that, that he, pl- he's played well for multiple years. Um, you know, he's, he's a little bit more sought off. Um, and his, you know, athletic profile isn't, uh, crazy, but just as far as a guy that was productive over multiple years and can both, we, we've seen him both, uh, rush the passer and defend the run. Um, he, he's absolutely a guy that I, I, I would have brought in for sure. Um, because we've seen the utility, even though it's on, was, you know, sort of under smaller lights. Um, I, I want to see if, if that kid at his size, you know, I, I don't know, it was, you know, six two two fifty or so. Um, I, I want to see if, if that's going to work, um, on the edge in the NFL. I mean, you compare him to Dwayne Smoon. I, I thought that's a, a perfect comp. And if he ends up being that type of player, the, that's a, I think that's a steal to get that in the sixth round. I mean, Dwayne Smoon's a really good backup interior, I mean, a edge rusher. Uh, to end the show, Thor, I got to talk to you about this because, you know, last year you compared Jalen Hurts. You had the most interesting comparison of all comparisons for Jalen Hurts in the draft process. You compared him to Ricky Rubio, the point guard in the NBA. He plays the position, the quarterback position, just like a point guard. He gets the ball right to his receivers. The trust that he has in each one of his guys. I mean, Riggers, uh, ta- target share instantly went up as soon as Jalen Hurts was inserted. Dallas Goddard got, got to see more trust in him. Uh, what did you think about Jalen Hurts now that – you know, year one's over with. He had those four games where he started. I know nothing was – he had their Arizona game was electric. New Orleans was electric. Then the, the divisional games kind of smothered out a little bit. But uh, I'm excited about Jalen Hurts, man. I don't know where you are with him. I am too. Yeah, I'm I, I'm bullish on the kid, and I'm I'm happy that the Eagles are – I mean, at least for one year, are all in on him. And 
we'll see going forward, but at least putting uh, Devonta and then getting uh, Regor into the slot full time and, and, and doing that whole thing and, and investing in the, the weapons around him, we're going to get to see. And then, you know, Gainwell as well, um, you know, and Miles Sanders, everything like that. We're, we're going to get to see the whole thing. Um, you know, Hertz's game. It's, it's, you have, you have the, obviously the, the, the really good athleticism outside of the pocket, you know, winning outside of structure. Um, and then it's, it's, uh, limiting the turnovers, you know, he, he just doesn't turn the ball over in, in, in college. He just never did. Um, and then it's intermediate accuracy thing. Um, you can build an offense around that guy. You can build an, an NFL offense around that guy. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, we, we talked about this in the, the pre-draft process. It's, it's not the exact same thing as Lamar Jackson, um, but you can do his own thing with it. And again, you know, getting a guy like Devonta and, you know, you got Ray Gore, you, you got the backfield now you can start to build it. And and we were talking before the show where the Eagles have um, it look, it's looking like they're going to have three first round picks next year. And so no matter which way this goes, you guys are sitting in the catbird seat because let's just say, you know, let's say worst case scenario, let's say J- uh, Jalen hurts sucks next year. Let's say he's absolutely God awful. Great. You're going to be picking at the top three with your pick. Um, let's see where the, you know, the other two picks, you got the Colts pick and, you know, the, the, the Dolphins pick or whatever. Um, the, the, you will have a, an absurd amount of draft equity, you know, and, and whether it's Malik Willis, whether it's Spencer Rattler, whatever. And then you go the other way. Let's say that Jalen Hurts is awesome. Now, now, you know, now we got we got Smith, we got Rager, whatever. Now we have three effing first round picks and we don't got to spend any of them on the quarterback position. Like now we could start to build like a monster offense and a monster defense. Like I, I just feel like they're in a really good position. And I think it was really smart of them to move out of six to grab that extra first round pick. It was obviously super duper smart to jump the Giants. Um, and, and get Devonta because obviously the Giants were going to take Devonta. And I, I, I think they're sitting in a really good spot having those those three first rounders next year. Yeah. And they could even package them to trade for a quarterback like if they need Sean to, Watson, you know, if they feel, you know, Jalen's not getting the job done. So for sure. Great to hear some positivity about the Eagles instead of all the normal doom and gloom with everything that's going on with them this offseason. This is really inspiring. I'm I, a I Vikings a fan. I don't even like the Eagles, and I'm positive about their future. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm guy Justin Jefferson, though, so you should be a little bit happy there with that that's one. True. But uh, anyways, NBCSportsEdge.com is where you can find all of Thor's work. Follow him on Twitter at ThorKU. Thor, thank you so much for coming on to the show again. It was a pleasure having you on. And again, you know, I'm always going to remember the – Jalen Hurts, Ricky Rubio comparison. That's going to be on my mind for the rest of my life now. That was the best <laughs> draft comparison ever. If you guys want thorough analysts on draft prospects, everybody in college football, please follow Thor's work. It's amazing. Thanks, Thor. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.